Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Stacks of Cash podcast. Uh, this is David Duncan. Got Jay Cohen here, as always, with me. Um, and today is I want to we're going to talk about what's going on in the market. And so, at the time of this recording, it's the Friday leading up to Memorial Day, and as everyone is aware, the market has been pretty volatile over the last three months, last five months, really. This whole year has been a very volatile year, and so. You know, when we meet with clients, and we have several different clients and several different personalities, <laughs> and, and they, they're far-ranging. People check the stock market every day. Some don't like to look at it at all. And so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the feedback that we get from some of our clients or the questions they have is, well, the market is up or the market is down. And what does that really mean, the market is up? You know, some person might be talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Someone might be talking about the NASDAQ or the S&P 500. And so what we wanted to do today was talk about what the market actually means and show you some examples of the S&P 500, really what's under the hood here, and a little inside baseball into the market. So today we're going to talk about what market cap weighting is versus equal weighting. We're going to talk about growth companies and the difference between them and value companies. And then we're going to talk about what actually creates volatility. So, Jay, good morning, my man. Good morning Happy there, Friday Dave. to you. Good to be with you, buddy. What do you have to add in regards to what I just described and general indexes out there in the market today? Well, what I really want to start with, Dave, is this. You know, as you alluded to, we get a lot of calls from clients, some more than others. And those folks who, who wake up in the morning and tune into CNBC or Fox Business News or wherever they get their information from, and they see these really big downdrafts in the market, generally speaking, uh, that creates nervousness for some folks. And so, you know, it got us thinking about, well, well, well first off, why do we have these big downdrafts? And, and then it got us thinking, well, maybe it'd be useful to share some insights with our, our listeners as to, you know, what's going on under the hood, as you said. So what we really want to do is we want to start off with a couple concepts, and we're going to start with the indexes for beginners. Before I get into that, real quick, the, the original index in the United States was the Dow Jones Industrial 30 Average. Mm -hmm. What that is, it's the 30 largest companies that are out there selected by Dow Jones, and there's an index that they created, and that was kind of the original index that kind of showed how, quote, the market was doing. Then along came the S&P 500 which are like the 500 largest companies. And that's a composition of companies that are rapidly growing and companies that are mature considered value companies. Then along came the NASDAQ, which was generally comprised of mostly growth companies. So those are the three dominant indexes that we see out there. We're going to focus mostly today on the S&P 500, and we're going to delineate between what's a market cap weighted and an equal weighted. That That's a good place to start. So when someone says market cap, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, that's great. Great, great question. So first off, let's, what is market cap, right? Exactly. That's what you're asking. What is market cap? So market cap is very simple. It's the number of shares that a company has outstanding times their share price. And that gives you the market capitalization for that specific company. So they could change day to day. It does change day-to-day exactly. -day as the stock price changes. 
And so, Dave, I have a question for you. If you were to add up, say you had their 500 companies in the S&P 500, and you took each one of them, you took their shares outstanding times their stock price, and you added up all the market caps for all the companies in the S&P 500, and we'll say it was at the end of the first quarter, mm-hmm. what do you guess that market cap would be? Well, I'm kind of cheating because I have the answer written yeah, down in front of me. Did. But but the answer is just shy of $40 trillion. $40 trillion. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's an important number to keep in mind. So I, I'm going to guess most people could guess what the largest market cap company is. I'll, 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 you know, it's the thing that we all love, we all use. It, we, 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 we just would be dead without it, and that'd be our iPhone. Mm-hmm. Right, so Apple is the largest market capitalization of all of the S and P five hundred companies, and and as of just the other day, the market cap of Apple was two point eight trillion, yes, with a T trillion dollars, and that represented just over seven percent of the total market cap of the S and P five hundred. So you're basically saying that of all the S&P 500 returns, over 7% of it is related directly to Apple. That's exactly right. That's interesting. Now, what's really fascinating is, is if you take the top five companies of the S&P 500 mm-hmm. and you added up just those five market caps and divided it by this close to $40 trillion, the top five represent... 20% of the total market cap of the S&P 500. And those companies are Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and Tesla. So it's absolutely fair to say that not every company in the S&P 500 is treated the same. That's exactly all. right. Interestingly, those five companies are fast-growing companies. They're considered growth companies. And we're going to talk about in a minute why this change in our economy mm-hmm. is more profoundly impacted by these growth companies as we go to a higher interest rate environment and why that's having a significant impact on the performance in the quote market and why we hear from clients when they see the market is down so much. So, you know, yeah. And so, you know, what's interesting is that these investment managers out there have noticed what we're, we're talking about right now, that these companies have such a bigger impact on the S&P 500's uh, performance that they've created, you know, what's called an equal weighted uh, S&P 500, where that's exactly what it sounds like. Every company is treated the exact same. And so that gives you a little bit more, um, uh, it gives you a little bit more even playing field for every company in that index. And so that would be equal weighted. So instead of being over 7% of the S&P 500 that Apple is, they would only be one five hundredth. One five hundredth, which is, which is, I believe, if I did my math correctly, is like point zero two percent. So, mm-hmm. so, what a humongous difference it is when you're dealing with an equal cap weighted mm-hmm. or an equal weighted versus a market cap weighted, right? Right. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So I want to just give you an example, of really how profound a difference this is. In an S&P 500 index where there's a market cap weighted scenario, if Apple was up 20% during the year and they represent 7% of the market cap, Mm -hmm. then that would mean that 
1.4% of the total return in the S&P 500 was was just from Apple. So if the S&P was up 10% for the year mm-hmm. in aggregate, mm-hmm. and Apple was up 20% for the year, and Apple 7% of the market cap, then 1.4% of the total 10% in the S&P would be attributed to one company. On the other hand, if you had the equal weighted in that same exact scenario where Apple stock goes up 20%, the S&P 500's year-end return was 10%. Well, now instead of the 7% weighting that you're talking about, Jay, if I was in the equal weighted and uh, Apple returned 20%, instead of the 1.4% return you're talking about, it's only 0.04%. That's exactly right. That makes a huge difference. It's a humongous difference. Now, so one of the things that's interesting, and we were studying this last year, you know, when things are really robust and the economy is super strong and growth is really strong, being in the S&P 500 market cap weighted index actually is much better when, because growth, growth companies are, are growing a lot faster and their returns are a lot more robust. Mm-hmm. However, when things start to slow mm-hmm. and these companies pricing starts to readjust there's an uh, uh, the opposite effect they have a much higher weighting to the downside mm-hmm. and so we're going to talk a little bit about that now that you hopefully have an understanding out there of the difference between market cap weighted and equal cap weighted and the impact on growth versus value you know what's so interesting about this is that these swings in between growth and value and uh, you know the market cap weighted versus equal cap weighting usually it takes years and years to show the the differences of the winners and the losers but coming out of covid that has shortened that that life cycle so much quicker i mean you think about where we were in the pandemic and the technology companies, the Apples, the Netflix, Googles, they were absolutely cleaning up because people were sitting at home all day using their products. And what happened to them? Their, their stock price went through the roof. And what did it do? It pulled the market up with them, correct? Oh, 100%. I mean, you look at uh, Tesla was up hundreds of percent. Uh, exactly. Amazon was up huge because people were ordering things. You had... Um, I don't know if these are in the S&P 500, but they had an impact with Zoom and DocuSign, mm-hmm. Teladoc. Right. And a lot of these companies' market capitalizations have been halved. And on the backs of that, you're in an environment where interest rates were extremely low. And what tends to do well in low interest rate environments? Growth stocks. Yeah, so why don't we talk a little bit about the difference between uh, growth and value? And, mm-hmm. and Dave, why don't you take growth as a starting point, then I'll, I'll chime in on the value. I like to use this as an example. So if I have a company, the difference between growth and value is this. If I have a company and I'm making widgets, okay, I have an option at the end of the day what to do with my net profits. I can either invest it back into my business so I can produce more and more widgets and basically grow my equity in the company, or I can take those excess profits and I can pay it out to the owner, myself, in this scenario. I'm the only shareholder of this company. So if I'm going to reinvest that money into the business and try to grow my business, the answer lies with what I just said, grow the business. That's a growth company. They're doing everything in their power to grow their shareholder price. 
value become more saturated in the market. They're more mature companies. And so why would anybody want to own a, a value company if they're not going to grow as much? Well, they're returning profits to shareholders. And so that's what a value company is. Is there anything you want to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 actually a good deal I'd like mm-hmm. to add on to that, Dave. So a, a couple things. Um, let, let, let's let's maybe put a name with 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 okay. value, for example. Um, twenty years ago, Starbucks was a growth company. Mm-hmm. They were just getting started. Twenty twenty five years ago, there just getting one started. On every corner, every, there wasn't the there there wasn't way back. I mean, well, it they was like they were in Seattle, yeah. but they were headed you know coast mm-hmm. to coast. So it started up in the Great Northwest. And as they migrated across the United States and those markets became saturated, they didn't need to have as much capital on hand to open up new stores. They would have, as you said, these excess profits. And with those excess profits, they can do one or a few of three things. They can either buy a company, they can buy back stock, they could hold on to the cash, I suppose, as a fourth option, or they could pay dividends or a combination thereof. So once a company is mature, it's considered a value company because they create excess profits, they can return that capital to shareholders. Mm -hmm. But they aren't growing as rapidly, okay? On the other hand, let's take a growth company, and I'll go back to my days when I was at Dell Computer back in the early 90s as a grad student. Um, They were a billion-dollar company. The PC market was only at that time about... 10 to 15 years old. <laughs> so they had all this this demand and they were using all this capital to continue to grow the base of the business. And one of the interesting things, particularly with growth companies, and we're going to get into a concept right now that you really have to understand as it relates to growth because value is pretty easy. They're mature, they have excess cash, they can return that cash to shareholders via dividends and share repurchases. Growth companies are valued differently. Mm-hmm. They're valued based upon their future discounted cash flows. Mm-hmm. Dave, do you want to talk a little bit about what that really means in well, English I, I, and, and why interest rates and everything has an impact on that? Well, I think it's very interesting to see, and I was going to kind of stop you halfway through that, is when you have a company like Dell and they just couldn't keep up with the demand, I mean, they're just trying to grow, grow, grow. Where do they get their money from? How do they get all that money to, to fulfill that demand? They have to borrow some of it, when you, th- when you think. Yeah, yeah, and what's sure. attached to that? Interest. Interest rates. And so that has a big effect on, on what they're doing. Um, and, and so, yeah, when you get into the growth story, uh, the, the interest rates uh, have a huge impact. Give, give an example of how it affects a future cash flow. Yeah, so so let's let's take it's an emerging company. And I think a good example of emerging companies, and there are many examples where they go, they get discovered, growth really becomes prolific, they the, the market capitalizations expand dramatically. Then there's some type of correction like we're experiencing right now. And I could give you many examples. Amazon was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we're looking at DocuSign really exploded and it's come way back down. Teladoc is another one. Netflix. Uh, and, and <laughs> Netflix is one. And so what happens is basically is that these growth companies, they, they have these earnings, right? And so the analysts sit there and they're like, holy smokes, this is a giant market. We think this company continue to grow, 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 grow for many years. And what they do is they, they, they model out what they expect the cash flow of these growth companies to be for some sustainable period of time. We'll say 10, 15, 20 years. 
And then what they do, David, is they discount each one of those years and they use an interest rate. Mm-hmm. The higher the interest rate that's used, the lower the value of each one of those years' future cash flows. Mm-hmm. So when interest rates are low, the value of those future cash flows is higher. Mm-hmm. But when interest rates go up, the value of those future cash flows goes down. That's the mathematics of the change in valuation. Mm-hmm. The other piece of that is, is if rates go up and consumers have less money because they're spending more on payments for cars and more on payments for credit cards and more on payments for homes and more on payments for other things, they have less money to spend on other products and therefore growth itself slows down. So you have two headwinds Mm -hmm. when interest rates start to go up. One is the actual demand piece. The other is the actual financial discount piece. And the two of those together can really become a witch's brew Mm -hmm. for growth companies. And that's so why you start to see when, when the economy starts to change, where the Federal Reserve needs to step in and slow things down, and they do that by raising rates, the impact on the stock market's profound because, as we've discussed already, these companies whose market cap weightings are outsized because they were growth companies really pull the, the index down a lot. Does that make sense? No, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. And, and it's kind of amazing the the different arms and levers that the Federal Reserve can pull to adjust what's happening in the economy. So, so Dave, in our closing few minutes that yeah. we have here, what, talk a little bit about like on the value. So we talked about growth and the impact that interest mm-hmm. rates have on growth. What, why does value tend to do better in a rising rate environment? And, and why don't we just, you know, I mean, there's a pretty wide gap right now between what growth has done, mm-hmm. if you're looking at like the oh, growth totally. indices versus the value, why don't you discuss that for just a moment? So with a value company, um, you know, there, there always tends to be when things get volatile in the market and, and, and interest rates are rising, uh, we tend to uh, look towards value companies because they have the stronger balance sheets. If something goes, goes awry in the market, you want to flight to safety and you want to go to the companies that have they can withstand a punch. You know, if you had a kid that got hit with something, they're going to get knocked down on the floor. They're not going to be able to handle it. But you get this big guy, and he gets it. He can withstand that blow, and that's what a value company does. And so, you know, it, it, it's all about where the, the money's flowing. Right now, the bonds are down almost 10% year-to-date. People out in the market are looking where to invest their money in. Uh, last time we looked, value companies were down, what, about 8% year-to-date? Yeah, uh, in aggregate, the Russell 1000 yeah. value is down 8%. Mm-hmm. The overall S&P was down before today about 15%. Right. And growth overall, the Russell 1000 growth, was down about 25%. So you can see there how these interact with volatile markets, with interest rates rising. And again, a lot of people own value companies not for just the capital appreciation of the stock price, but they're trying to generate income off that. And so, you know, if you're investing into stocks, say you're a retiree out there and you're looking to supplement your, your salary that you're no longer receiving because you're now in retirement age, how are you going to get cash in the door? Well, you're going to own good companies that have great balance sheets that you don't have to look at the stock price every day because you know that dividend is going to hit your account 
every month. And so it becomes a very important thing for people in retirement, uh, getting close to retirement. Um, and and it's, it's a flight to safety. So we're seeing this big swing in the markets of the allocations going from bonds down to value and away from growth. And so that creates a lot of volatility in the market. It's just a reshuffling of the board is what we're seeing. It absolutely is. And the one thing that as we wrap up here that David and I know for a fact, every dog gets his day in the period. Sun. We've seen it. Rotations through industries, mm-hmm. rotations from growth to value, rotations from international to domestic, rotations through sectors, so on and so forth. So, and, and, and we said this last year, and if you go back and listen to our podcast, the growth versus value podcast we did about a year ago at this point, and it's something that Jay and I always say, it's everything reverts back to the mean. And so, you know, we think differently than the average retail investor, because when things are getting really good, like they were last year, that's when Jay and I start getting a little bit nervous, a little bit more pessimistic. Now, when, when the market was down almost 20% intraday, that's when we get a little bit more optimistic. So it's just a different way of thinking about it. And, um, and, and, you know, we would hope to at least educate you on our thought process and what we're thinking. Yeah, Dave. Um, so just sort of to wrap up really quick, um, you know, again, when there's a major shift in policy driven by economic conditions, such as we've had with an increase in inflation and an overheated economy, the volatility comes around as a result of the uncertainty as to the how fast and how much the Federal Reserve Bank is going to dial it back in terms of by, by raising interest rates. It's that uncertainty that creates the volatility. And what we hope to have accomplished today is that we've armed you with a little bit of knowledge and understanding of how things work. And uh, if you, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, it's been great being with you today. Please make sure you tell your family and friends about Stacks of Cash. We hope you have a great weekend, and we're signing off. Thanks again.